turn to the book of John, chapter 18, John chapter 18, and um, we're going to be looking, uh, all four gospel accounts uh, record Jesus' time in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, just before uh, his uh, uh, illegal trial and, and uh, certainly his crucifixion. And I uh, just want to share a few things with you tonight. We're going to read several verses of Scripture. I want to start off uh, reading, and I'm going to ask you if you will. Now, we've got to read about a dozen verses or so, so it will take a little bit. But if you're physically able, I'm going to ask you if you will to stand uh, in the reverence of the Word of God tonight. Uh, John chapter 18, just want to bring a little message in light of taking the Lord's Supper tonight. And uh, just kind of give you some things uh, to think about. We find here... Uh, Jesus uh, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, And it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, and those words are found in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 17, referred to by some theologians as his high priestly prayer, uh, a prayer, by the way, which includes us. And uh, it's a wonderful chapter in the Bible. It says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth uh, uh, with his disciples over the book Cedron, where was a garden into which he entered and his disciples. In the Old Testament, we know that brook is, is, is Kidron or Kidron. In uh, Judas, verse 2, in Judas, we know about Judas, also which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft-times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood uh, with them. And as soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward uh, and fell uh, to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I've told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, uh, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spake of them, uh, of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. And he had just said that over in Matthew chapter verse or chapter seventeen. It says then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, uh, Put up thy sword into thy sheath. The cup which thy, my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Uh, verse 12, the band of men and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him uh, and led him away uh, to Annas first, uh, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, uh, which was the high priest uh, that same year. Uh, now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching and reading uh, of the word here tonight, Lord, as we prepare our hearts uh, for uh, the Lord's Supper. And uh, Father, I think there's some great things you'd have us to know tonight. And uh, Lord, uh, again, uh, first of all, we want people saved, and certainly there would be no reason to take uh, the Lord's Supper tonight if we're not saved. We do not take the Lord's Supper to be saved or even to stay saved, but because we are saved. And uh, so, Lord, we pray if anyone needs to be saved tonight, tonight would be the night and, uh, but, Lord, for uh, those of us that are saved, as Paul would explain, uh, uh, giving instruction of the Lord's Supper, that it is a time of examination as we reflect uh, on what you've done for us, Lord, and, and how you died for us, 
And uh, Father, so help us to get a hold of some things here tonight, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray, amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. Uh, as I said a while ago, Jesus had finished uh, what some refer to as a high priestly prayer. Uh, I always look at uh, John chapter 17 as being uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, you know, instead of what we find over in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but Jesus, Jesus had finished this, and he uh, crosses the brook, Cedron. Uh, uh, um, in the Old Testament, you'll, you'll find the word Kidron. Uh, same place, I believe, Kidron, mainly talking about the valley. And uh, so this would be on the east side of, of Jerusalem, and you go down into this, you know, what probably most of us today would just call a big holler. It's not, not real big. Uh, and up to what we know as the Mount of Olives. And up on the Mount of Olives, or about halfway up on the Mount of Olives, uh, is the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, and it's still there. That, you know, I don't know if they can pinpoint the exact spot, but certainly the Garden of Gethsemane is still there today. Uh, there's some olive trees that are there. They live to be a couple thousand years old. Um, and it was a place that Jesus had often visited before, as the, the text reveals. Uh, now, it's always been my opinion, and, and uh, some of us were talking about this, I think, during our discipleship class on Friday night, but it's always been my opinion that really the sufferings of Christ really began at this point, um, as he began to uh, pray, and, and if you take into account some of the other, the other uh, Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it would certainly reveal that. The book of John doesn't go in as much detail about his suffering uh, as much as the other Gospels do. We won't turn those tonight, but we understand John's purpose was to present Christ as, as deity, as God. Uh, the other Gospels, also referred to as synoptic Gospels, uh, they show us uh, the Lord in a, in a few different ways. In the book of Matthew, he's seen as king of the Jews. And if you read the book of Matthew, you'll see that over and over again. Mark, the servant prophet, uh, um, uh, more uh, along the lines of what we know today, even as a slave. He was a servant prophet. In the Luke of Man, we see the humanity of Christ, often referred to as the Son of Man uh, who gave himself for us. Now, the Garden of Gethsemane, I think, you know, I've shared with you a few times about going to Israel. Uh, it's been several years ago, and I uh, hope to go back someday. It's just, it was just a life-changing experience for me. And one thing, probably the biggest thing it did for me is it brought my Bible alive. It's just amazing to read these things and and to be there and, and kind of remember the lay of the land uh, um, and those types of things. Um, I, I think I've shared with you before, I didn't really, to be honest, as weird as it sounds, I didn't really enjoy being in Jerusalem that much. You know, it was just big and, and uh, it just, a lot of darkness there is what I felt. You know, it's just, you know, it's not... You know, not what I'd thought. But I will say that probably my favorite spot uh, as far as the whole uh, trip was, and we spent a lot of time in Galilee, which overall was my favorite, but my, I, I suppose probably the most um, spiritual time I had was on the Mount of Olives uh, where they believe the Garden of Gethsemane is. And it's because I got off by myself and I thought about all this. And it was a very powerful time for me, and and uh, very real. And uh, uh, Gethsemane is said by some to mean oil press, oil press. And really, if you take all the other gospel accounts uh, together, we we see this pressure uh, that our Lord was under, uh, uh, spiritual, emotional, uh, as a man. Even he was beginning to feel 
uh, that, that awful dread that awaited him. And it wasn't so much, I believe, that the physical pain that, that he was really struggling with, but, but just to be God from eternity past and then to have the sin of the world, every sin that had ever been sinned, every sin that's going to be sinned, laid upon him who was perfect, and then to be separated from God the Father, something that he had never experienced in eternity past. I believe, again, that's why I believe the sufferings of Christ uh, began to, to happen here at uh, the Garden of, of Gethsemane. Uh, and uh, we don't see it here, but in the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we're not going to turn there for time's sake tonight, but a lot of times you'll see, well, not a lot of times, but several times in those texts, you'll see the word cup. Let this cup pass for me, he would say, in each of those accounts. Uh, and, of course, that was the cup of, of God's judgment. And um, we, we can read about that in Psalms 11 and Psalm 75. Uh, we read about that. We think about that oil press. We read about a wine press of God's wrath in the book of Revelations chapter 14. And so all these things, uh, Jesus would, would become sin, and he would feel the wrath uh, of the Father. And it certainly was a cup of wrath and, and, and a cup that, listen, that, that you and I deserved, amen. I mean, I, I understand why I would deserve that cup of wrath. But certainly Jesus did not deserve that cup of wrath. And I tell you what, if that don't motivate you to love him, nothing will. And this was a cup of God's judgment. And as I said a while ago, you know, every sin that, that was ever sin, going to be sin, even sins that haven't even happened yet in our day and time, were going to be laid upon Christ, and he was going to bear them in his own body, which this bread represents that we'll be partaking with tonight. And he dreaded the drinking of that awful cup, so much so that in the book of Luke it says that he sweat drops of blood. That's an amazing thought. That's an amazing thought as you think about it. And what's amazing is all of those happened in between verses 1 and 2 of John chapter 18. Because John chapter 18, seeing Christ as deity, uh, uh, you don't read about those things. So, so from the time that he had spoken these words until we get to verse 2, he has already spent that time uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, and he has prayed, and his disciples have fallen asleep. And uh, so there's a lot of things that happen in between those two verses. Uh, and now the time, uh, the time has come, and he faces his enemies. Uh, but by this time, God had certainly strengthened him, and he was now ready uh, to drink that cup to fulfill uh, God's will uh, in his life. He was ready uh, to glorify the Father in a way that I don't think you and I could ever comprehend. And I mentioned the the fake trial, you know, this whole arrest. All of this was was really uh, somewhat silly. It wasn't even uh, uh, by their they were breaking their own laws in the way that they were doing things. And of course, probably what stands out the most to us is we see the mention there of Judas uh, in verses two and three, the betrayal of Judas. All of this uh, is completed. I want to read that again in verse two, and Judas also which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus often resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth. You know, he, he stepped forward. That's, you know, uh, 
you know, I, I never, I've never been fond of pictures of Jesus anyway, uh, but it seems like every picture you see of Jesus, they kind of show him as this kind of pale skin, kind of frail. I don't believe that for one minute, amen? Uh, I believe, I believe he was, I believe he was a man, and he stepped forward. Uh, and I believed, uh, as we see here, as we read, uh, to protect his flock even. And he says, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also which betrayed him stood with them. And uh, so he he meets them. And, and, I, and I try to imagine Judas there that night. I mean, think about Judas for just a moment. You know, he, he, that's an amazing uh, character there, if you will. I believe Judas was lost. I believe he was a lost man, denying Christ, even though all the things that he had seen and even been a part of in many ways. And, and, and you got to ask, how can a man's heart become so seared? I mean, it really makes me shudder. You know, unbelief is a terrible thing, is it not? I mean, if you stop and think about it, that's why people go to hell, is because they don't believe. Unbelief is the worst sin possible. You, you know, you, you can't be forgiven until you believe. Some people will talk about the unpardonable sin. Well, the unpardonable sin is unbelief. And you believe you can be saved. It's the worst sin that there is, is unbelief. Again, to deny Jesus Christ being the Son of God. To look up at the cross and see Him hanging there and deny Him. That's an awful sin. That's a terrible sin. And I try to think about Judas there, his heart becoming so seared. And uh, But I, I've seen these things before, and maybe you have too as well, uh, maybe trying to talk to people about the Lord. And, and I've run across some of these over the years, not a whole lot, but a few over the years, what I would just call poor, pitiful souls with so much hatred, even on their, even when they're facing death, to be so bitter towards the things of God and take your track and throw it back at you. You know, conviction, I believe, just brings about two things. Repentance or refusal. One of those two things. One of those two things. So Judas... Being there, Jesus being arrested, and certainly he was still God. Jesus never stopped being God. Amen? I like that when uh, the I am, that is God said, I am he. We see that in verse 6. Look what happened. He says, and soon, and, uh, as soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. You know, they, they didn't even really know why they were doing it, <laughs> but they just did it. Amen? What an amazing thought that is, and does that twice, and, and he's still shepherding his small flock. We notice there in verse 4, he, he comes forward. You know, I believe he just stepped forward out from among that flock uh, and wasn't backing down. In verse 8, Jesus answered, I've told you that I'm he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. He was talking about his disciples. He was, even, even in the midst of all this, he's still shepherding his flock. Amen. Verse 9, that the saying might be fulfilled, that saying that he said over in um, uh, Matthew uh, chapter 17, uh, verse 12, I believe it is. And he's praying, he says, he's praying to God the Father. <clears throat> he says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. 
Uh, Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. All those that were truly his were still his. And that's what verse 9 is referring to there. Uh, And so, uh, you know, of course, old Peter, you know, most of us, we're like Peter, aren't we? We, you know, we... We uh, run off of emotion and get in the flesh and, you know, get all excited. And, and uh, you, you ever do that? Amen. Yeah, we all do that. We all do that. And so old Peter, once again, he, he gets in the flesh. And in uh, verse 10 tells us, uh, I've always wondered how he, you know, I heard a preacher explain this one time. I'll share a little something he said out of it too. But, but he explained that, that he always felt like that, that Peter was actually going for the guy's head, and he probably did one of these things. And I believe that to be true, because if you cut off a guy's ear, you'd also cut his arm off. So I think he was going after his head. And he ducked, but he just was a little late in his duck. And it clipped off his ear. We know from the, you know, we know from the Gospels that, uh, that uh, Jesus uh, healed him, uh, uh, healed that ear. Um, but this preacher that I heard preaching on this passage one time, he said, you know, how busy we keep the Lord putting on ears that we cut off. And he went on to talk about how we treat people sometimes. Uh, and I thought it was a great message and a great thought. And, uh, I mean, think about it, you know, uh, you know, Pentecost comes, Peter's preaching, you know, he's been preaching for about a year now and seeing people saved and he's walking down Jerusalem streets and he runs into Malchus years later. You know, that'd be a little awkward, wouldn't it? Let me tell you about Jesus. Aren't you the one that tried to cut my head off? <laughs> Amen. That'd be a little awkward. Uh, and I don't know if that happened or not, uh, but it's just something to think about. It's a great, a great thought there as we examine ourselves tonight. Uh, but the Lord, we see there in verse 11, I'm not going to read it, but he rebukes Peter, and, and again, the Lord is ready to do the Father's will. Now, now here's something we always need to remember about this. It, it wasn't men making Christ drink this cup. It was the Father. And that's what's so profound about all this, and and I can't really explain it all together. God provided a way for our sin, our cup, to be drunk through his Son. A cup that, I mean, when we think about, you know, what does one have to do if he decides to pay his own sin debt? He has to spend eternity in hell. In other words, that you have to spend eternity drinking that cup, if you will. In other words, separated from God, feeling the wrath of God. So Jesus didn't suffer at the hands of men. He suffered at the hands of God. And that's an amazing thought to think about. And what's even harder to grasp is, is when you look at Jesus, John, the book of John, Jesus is deity. What I'm saying is, and he is the I am, Jesus is God. It was actually God putting his own lips to that cup of judgment. Woo! Amazing, isn't it, to think about that? And he certainly drained it, uh, even to the dregs. He drank it all. Uh, that is, he took all the sin of the world upon himself, although he was perfect. And so those are things that we need to think about, you know, as we observe the Lord's Supper and what it is to be a child of God. And I've mentioned already, I think I mentioned in my prayer, uh, this is not some, you know, just a religious thing that we do. 
Um, it's not a work that has anything to do with salvation whatsoever. It's a simple ordinance of the church. We do this in remembrance of some of these things that we've already talked about tonight. And when we take that cup, that grape juice, and certainly we could talk about the body as well, but the cup reminds us of all of this, that Jesus, our Savior, going to the cross and, and, and draining, if you will, the cup of judgment on our behalf. And he would hang there on the cross and his precious blood would, would drip into the ground. That was him taking our cup. And all we can say is, Amen. All we can say is, Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord for the blood. Because there are many, think about Judas, 2,000 years now in hell, drinking that cup himself, if you will. And the sad fact of the matter is, there's people every day um, dying every second that are joining. And that's sad to think about. But here's the thing, you don't have to, amen? Uh, nobody... Anybody that goes to hell trips over the blood of Christ to get there. Amen. And so if you're here tonight, you don't have to do that. You can, uh, you can accept Christ your Savior. He's, he's taken your place. He's, he's uh, faced that judgment on your behalf already. So we see himself there put, his, put himself into the hands of man. Verse 12 says, Then the band and the captain and the officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. They only did that because he led them. And they led him away to Annas uh, first and to his father-in-law, uh, Caiaphas, which was the high priest of that same year. You know, when I think about these things, and you know, we're, we're not going to get all there today, but, but you know, the mock trial and you see the foolishness and really just the evil of man. Um, verse 14 tells us of the prophetic words, you know, of, of Caiaphas there that, that it was expedient that one man should die for the people, verse 14. Now, he meant it a completely different way, but it was a prophetic statement that he was saying because that's exactly what Jesus did. He died for the sins of the world. He died for the whole world. He took our, our cup uh, and, and gave us a cup that runneth over, <laughs> uh, the, the cup of salvation. And I said a while ago, as odd as it may sound, uh, maybe to the unbeliever, but if you're saved tonight, certainly you would know what I mean. Praise the Lord for the cross of Calvary. Praise the Lord that He was our propitiation, our substitute, that He took our place on that cross. We think of that wonderful hymn, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. You know, it really changes things, amen, when you get saved. It really changes things when you begin to focus in on the sufferings of Christ and that he did that for you. You know, we've made this statement a couple times here lately. You know, when God looks upon his sheep, he, he doesn't see a flock of sheep. He sees us each and every one as an individual lamb. And I want to tell you something, it is true beyond our scope of imagination, but you are on his mind when he was hanging there on that cross. You were on his mind. And what a tremendous thought that is. So praise the Lord for the cross of Calvary. Now Paul tells us 
in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 as he's given some instructions about uh, observing the Lord's Supper. Um, he tells us uh, there uh, in verse 26, For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, this is what we have here in front of us today, for as, you, uh, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do sue the Lord's death till he comes. So this is a remembrance things. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So it's a very serious thing. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body. So this is a very sober time. This is a very serious time. And uh, Central Calvary Baptist Church, we observe what we call close communion. I don't like the word communion, but I'm going to use it because people um, use it. Uh, but uh, uh, what that means is is that uh, there are some churches uh, that uh, have closed. In other words, you're, only if you're a church member, you can observe the Lord's Supper with that group. Uh, Central Calvary Baptist Church observes close reunion, communion, that is. And so if you're saved tonight, you can certainly observe the Lord's Supper uh, with us in, in being like-minded. But again, our hearts need to be right. Amen. Now here's the thing. I, I one time was uh, talking to a man, and, and I noticed, I knew he was saved. I mean, he told me he was saved. His name was on the church roll. I knew that. He attended every service. But uh, he never observed the Lord's Supper. And uh, being a nosy preacher, I asked him one time. I said, hey, brother, why don't you ever observe the Lord's Supper? He said, well, because I've got, you know, I've, I've always got something in my heart. I've got some bitterness in my heart. I'm struggling with somebody. I've got unforgiveness in my heart. And uh, so I talked to him about that. And, and I got to thinking about it. I said, you know, and I may have even told him, I said, yeah, but we got an altar. Come, I mean, what you're saying is, is I got bitterness in my heart, but I don't want to do nothing about it. <laughs> Amen? That just doesn't make sense to me. And so what I'm saying tonight is, is if you are struggling with something, come down here and get it taken care of. Amen? Because God's ready, I guarantee it. No reason to leave here the same way you came in. Amen? And let's all be honest, we all probably could do a little fence mending tonight. Amen? I know I can and so we're going to have an invitation here in just a moment. Miss Mary's going to make her way down. And I just want to give you an opportunity. If you want to come and do business with the Lord tonight, uh, before we observe the Lord's Supper, I, I want to encourage you to do so. And just because you come to the altar doesn't mean anything's wrong. Uh, but maybe just some, some of the things that we talked about here tonight, maybe you just want to come and thank him. You know, uh, come and challenge yourself. I don't know about you, but I want to be a better Christian than I was yesterday. Amen. I want to be closer to God tomorrow than I am today. And so let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And, and I'm not going to say a whole lot. I just want, want this to be between you and the Lord. Uh, but if you're again, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, uh, you get my attention and we'll get somebody to take the Bible and show you how you can accept Christ your Savior. Father, as we come to you this evening, Father, it's a, a time of self-examination in light of what we've seen here tonight in the Word of God. Uh, as we think about uh, the Lord's Supper and what it means. And, uh, Father, it points to your death and your burial, your resurrection even. And uh, so, Lord, I hope and pray that we as believers, Lord, that we come tonight with our thoughts towards you, that we're not 
uh, you know, thinking about other things and, and that we're just totally focused on you and our relationship with you. And as I stated a while ago, I know I could do better in many areas of my life. And so, Father, help us to come and spend some time with you uh, for a few moments here at this altar. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. The invitation is open. You take as much time as you need. If God's speaking to your heart, you step out and come.
There we go. That's a little bit better. All right. So I think everybody heard what I said, didn't they? Okay. All right. All right. And uh, so we'll go ahead and we'll get uh, uh, the bread uh, out. And uh, just hang right here for a second. You go ahead and hand out the bread now, fellas, if you would. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, it says, And when he, uh, that is uh, Jesus, had given thanks, he broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And so I'm going to go ahead and, uh, first of all, ask Brother Carr, uh, if he would, uh, to ask the blessing on the bread. Yes. Amen. Again, in verse 24, he says, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Again, a time of reflection as we think about Christ's body being broken. No bones were broken, just as the Bible said. But certainly, uh, his skin was broken uh, on our behalf.
We understand that this uh, grape juice represents the blood of Christ. We don't believe that the bread or the grape juice becomes um, the body or the blood of Christ, but what it represents. And certainly when we think about the cross, when we think about his sufferings, we think about many of the hymns that we've seen. Um, we're certainly reminded of the blood that was shed uh, on Calvary uh, for, uh, our, uh, for our sin, but also for making a way of escape as God uh, paid that ransom on our behalf and uh, fulfilled the scriptures. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Uh, that is remission of sin. And uh, so, again, as odd as it sounds, we praise the Lord for the blood that was shed in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Mulford, if he would, to ask the blessing on the juice, please.
In verse 25, Jesus says, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. 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 All right. I'll go ahead and have you two men sit down. And Brother Malford, if you would, just come and uh, let's grab our hymnals. And uh, I want to sing Amazing Grace. And uh, let's just sing it a cappella, Miss Mary. I, I just think it's kind of a neat song to sing a cappella. And, um, uh, and we'll dismiss that way. I've uh, just uh, had that hymn on my mind uh, all day today. And certainly, uh, His grace is amazing for us. So what, does anybody know what number it is? Okay, 244. So let's all stand, grab your hymnal, turn to uh, hymn number 244. And in light of everything that's been done tonight, let's, let's really sing this tonight. Uh, not for show, but let's sing it unto the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's sing it unto the Lord. Hymn number 244. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amen. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Amen. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear. The hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me thus far, and grace will lead me home. When we've been there, Ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Amen, amen, amen. Good singing. See, you guys can sing out. So praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I'll expect that from now on. So praise the Lord. It's just been good to be here, uh, not just tonight, but even this morning. And always good to be in God's house. Let's be in prayer for one another. And uh, I'm trying not to cough. (coughs) I'm sorry. Uh, But uh, uh, let's just remember all the things that are going on. Make sure you got a bulletin. A lot of things coming up in the future and uh, also, I think we gained some people for our Senior Saints meeting tomorrow, so that'll be at noon right here at the church. Um, uh, the White and Scott family will be joining us as well, 
And, uh, and also, don't forget, uh, Wednesday night, uh, Brother Scott will be preaching for us. And so, looking forward to that. And uh, I was just talking to uh, uh, his wife. Now, you was in the Navy too, right, brother? Both of you. Okay, all right. So, uh, 